on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bogeyman podcast with uh, Johnny and Dave. Johnny, a bit more live golf on this weekend. And we've got Luke Donnelly, your pro tour player, to join us. Yeah, it's good. We, we we give a recap here of the the match part two with Tiger versus Phil and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. I really enjoyed this. I really like the amateur aspect of it, the the alternate shot for the back nine, the fact that like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning had moments of sheer brilliance, but also moments of just absolute dog madness. <laughs> terrible, a terrible yeah. at times, like hilarious at times. Didn't think I was going to last through it. Um, good to get Luke's perspective on it as well. He's a fan. Luke is a fan. I think Luke's a young guy, young young pro, very enthusiastic. hasn't Doesn't have the cynicism of the world all over him, and he 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 seemed to he he really enjoyed it. And we had a we had a good long chat with him. So guys, hope you enjoy. Luke, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to run through um to, to join the podcast. You're we're back playing. You're back in Mount Juliet, uh, backswing clubs on on grass. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, lads. I've listened to. Well, since our first episode, and they've been really good. And, um, so thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, back playing golf now a week properly. So it, um, it's been a week of trying to get as much golfing as possible and trying to build back, well, the last, what, seven weeks of golf that we haven't had and join those, those evenings out when you're out on the last tee box at maybe, what, seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the evening and you have the sun setting down. So it's been great to be back. I was playing last night. And I finished literally, Johnny, you know yourself, coming down the 18th in, in the dusk. And um, just something that, that you've greatly missed, like the last number of weeks. Like it's been, it's been strange, it's been weird because you spend the whole winter prepping to be in tournaments now, and sure, we don't have any. So, um, but look, your health is important and it is what it is, and everyone's in the same boat. Like, so, so it's not too bad then. Does it motivate you a bit more when something like this happens? And like, you're also playing Euro Pro and you have ambitions to get up into a challenge and a European tour. Does does something like this kind of give you a kick up the arse from from your practicing point of view to be like, this is like a privileged position, a privileged sport that like we play. So I gotta I gotta really make the most of this when I can. Yeah, you you, you could do it in two ways. You could you could use it and be like, Oh God, we've got six weeks, seven weeks off and you've also had what five months maybe of, of winter work done and you might have that determination or ambition or fire in the belly to, to get out there and really hone in on your bad tendencies and try and get them out of your game. Or as what I've done, I try to work as hard as I can on my game, really look into fitness-wise, um, start back working with David Roach and Kenny on fitness stuff. Fitness-wise, I really honed in on I started cycling. Um, just doing something different and then when you're practicing you just got to know that you're practicing for whenever we come back it's hard to practice without having a set date but you just know every hour you do 
somebody else isn't doing that error, so you're climbing over them up the up up the leaderboard again. So you just got to know what, what you want to do. And and I feel times like this is when it really splits the lads who really want it and the lads who want it. Do you get me? Mm. Like if you really want it, you you don't care what's happening. You go you go do it. You go do the dark hours, the hard the hard graft, getting up early in the morning to go do your work. And at the end of the day, like if it does work out. You look back in years to come when, when everyone's talking about the coronavirus and the lockdown, you look back and be like, geez, glad I spent those hours out in the, in the shed there doing me drills and stuff and doing me workouts rather than laying in bed watching Netflix and, and all this stuff. So you got to just know what your goals are. And, and yeah, obviously you got to reset it, but, but you just got to you just got to do it. And from the financial support, like sponsors and, and that that side of thing, have have they all held up? I know talking money is kind of dirty, but like everyone's feeling the pinch. Obviously, Dave and I work in kind of marketing and commercial end of of of, of our jobs, so we've seen that like in our day to day, people are are pulling money, and obviously that if someone pulled money from you, that's you know that's a huge huge blow. Yeah, massively because. Obviously, you spend your winter looking for sponsors. Um, I've been very lucky um, in my first year pro. You know yourself that Dennis O'Brien sponsored me and he's continued it on this year as well. Um, so, obviously, then when lockdown came in, I just sent him an email being like, look, if you want to pause the payment or whatever, that's no issue to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do whatever you want. And, and he was, no, it's okay, and all this stuff. And um, but other sponsors then, like Ableraid, still still in contact with them. So my sponsors have been really good, really helpful. I think it just comes down to, yes, they're sponsors, but also you build relationships and friendships with your sponsors. So you, for me, luckily, I've been very lucky in the number of years. And you know me, Johnny, I'd always say how lucky I am to, to have financial support because it's not that easy to get. It's very hard. And so to still have my team backing me through the lockdown has been great. And, and, and like, I, I, to be fair, geez, I don't know what I'd be, be doing if, if I didn't have that support. And also say, for example, Michael Ling in terms of the car, that's massive sponsorship, but it's the verbal support and you know that they're supporting you, which I thrive on more. That's what I like, like getting those emails, getting those messages when you're done well, geez, look, well done, great going. And when they throw up now posts online or something about you, that gives you, Jeez, yeah, I, I like this. I, I like that feeling. Let's get it again. So um, to have support is just, is just massive because they're helping me to get where I want to be. And hopefully when I get there, that they'll still support me. And then if I can help them in whatever way, then, then geez, I definitely would like. But um, you're, you're close to being back. Uh, i tell you what was back. A um, little bit of professional golf on the TV last night for the second time. Um, did you watch it? I watched bit now. I won't lie. I, I forgot all about it, and then I was speaking to Johnny during the day. Yeah, he Johnny's was a good like, man for hounding you. Um, always on me. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Tiger, Tiger was playing so good, wasn't he? So I think let's set the set the scene. I think is probably the best thing. So for people who didn't watch, so I, I probably we go back to the genesis of it. the match is what it was called initially, which was Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson for nine million dollars, which was a gratuitous like a gratuitous ridiculous amount of money to, money for anyone to win the picture of the two besides yeah, yeah it, was, like, it was it was a bit obscene and they decided that they were best off putting their resources to a much better uh 
much better charities this time. So it was a four ball and subsequently foursomes uh, between Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning and uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady in Medalist, which is a course designed by Pete Dye and Greg Norman. And it's Tiger's home club, along with a lot of other pros. Patrick Cantley, Justin Thomas, Ricky, they all play there, I think, is basically it. So, yeah, I like to, to start, I thought, first and foremost, the weather was horrendous. And I, all I was expecting for the first 20 minutes as I was watching it, because it was ridiculously slow after a rain delay, was that there was going to be outages and sound issues and picture issues. But it, like, it, it was immaculate. It was as good as any tour event I've ever seen. In fact, probably better. I thought that the rain made it. Like I, I, I was like, I, I would, I was excited to see like how the amateurs would handle the rain and the weather being so awful because like the guys play in in bad weather all the time. Like the Open in Port Rush, the wind was was howling, and it was raining as well. And like the guys just played through it. So Tiger and and Phil are used to that, but like. Tom Brady would look out the window and see that weather and go, not a hope am I playing golf today, except for the fact there's like a lot of money for a lot of charities on the line. Yeah, it was, um, I thought it was just really cool the way they got Peyton Manning and Tom Brady into play and just made this big, massive charity. Because obviously the one last week, it was a good cause in the raise. What, what they raised last week? Five million? Yeah, five, five six million, yeah. yeah. But there was no crack in it. There was no fun with it, which was really weird. But then this week, people were thinking like, oh, it's going to be the same. But I thought it was really good. Like, who was your man car commentating as well alongside Justin Thomas? What was his name again? Charles Barkley. Oh, he, I thought he was so funny. Did you see the comment? See the comment he made on Tiger at the fairway? And he was like, ah, oh, that's just like me. You didn't see that? Oh, I, I won't say, but I retweeted it earlier. It was brilliant. Um, it was like it's something like that looks just like me and then everyone laughed because I mean because we're like we're both black <laughs> and he was like <laughs> oh, it was brilliant it was, it was so funny but like I thought it was great what, what did they raise last night 20 mil 20, 20 mil. mil yeah that's the that's the tiger effect isn't it like a lot of that's also the NFL and like Brady and, and Manning but like Brooks Kepka is 100,000 yeah Kepka, yeah he, he came in um Charles Barkley just wanted to give away money at one stage. He was just giving money to Tom Brady for doing anything. I think everyone started to kind of feel sorry for Tom Brady. So um, he basically started off horribly. Um, the two amateurs started off a little bit rough, but Tom Brady left the driver at home. God, I would have hated to have seen him with a driver because he was very bad with the three wood. Um, but I, 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 before you get into that, I love the fact that they included the amateurs because it was just... It was so much more relatable, and it made, it, that really put all of the comedic value and the the fun value to it. Because, like Phil was good and he was funny and he was really good actually. Like a few other bits, which I'll get onto, but all of the all of the crack came from those two guys and JT and, and Charles Barkley. I thought the um the boogie cams were good. That was so good. I thought they were really good. Like imagine if they were walking, obviously with the rain and stuff. If they were walking, that would have been. Just a night, but I don't think they probably would have played if they were going to be walking. No, they'd have been I miserable. Would have waited a bit longer, but with with them in the buggies, and how cool do the buggies look? Yeah, they were pimped out, which is great. But I think the buggies gave a really good chance for the the players to interact with the comms guys, like JT and Charles and stuff, which is also is a really good way of breaking up what ended up being like a six and a half hour round. 
Yeah, but it, it, it made it quick because obviously last week they were walking. So there was a lot of breaks. But this week it was just like they're off the ball in how long? 20, 30 seconds, if even. Tom Brady probably 10 because it's just gone off the tee box. But, um, but like it was just so, you know, I, thought, I thought it was really good. It was really interesting um, in terms of like, could they pull off a shot? Tom Brady ended up doing pull off, pull off a shot, pull out a shot. Um, and then didn't, didn't Tom Brady and Phil make it two on the back nine on a par four? Yeah, we'll we'll get on to that. I guess like Dave, do you want to start from kind of like the the start? I guess the start from the start. Yeah, so they went off in four balls uh, for the first nine, and it was uh, alternate shot foursomes, which is everyone takes a drive and they take the best drive and then hit alternate shot there. So a little bit different to our foursomes for the back nine, but front nine, um, a disaster for her. Uh, poor Tom Brady. At one stage, I did see a very funny comment. He had a face looking like if he saw his agent at that moment, he was going to kill him because he was getting very, very wet. He was not playing very well. Every shot was... And you have to imagine as well, like, these guys are mid-handicap golfers by Irish handicap standards. I think he plays on eight, but he's not an eight handicap. There's no way he's an eight. No, he's not an eight. He's take a drop. No, yeah, he, he had to ask. It was a very That was a very funny scene where he hit it into the water, and he actually had... Trevor Immelman is on comms, who's a, who a brilliant on-course guy. Um, now he was in the booth and he had to explain to him down the earpiece how to measure to take a drop which leads me to believe that he hasn't played that much golf and if he has what has he been doing when he's been hitting it in the water up to then so a skeptical eight handicapper um but yeah like how hard would that be like we know if a normal person has a couple of people standing around a tee box on the first mid handicapper things don't go well and it's it's hard it's tough like imagine, and there was a lot of people at the event too. Not like in terms of crew and cameras and the pressure and knowing how many people were watching. So look, I I think they can be absolutely excused for the front line because we actually saw later on that they they both could play a bit. But um, yeah, the the guy like I think Tiger and uh, Tiger and Peyton Manning went into a very early lead. Peyton Manning's a very very solid golfer, by the way. Really good putter. Lovely, wow, isn't he? Oh. Like and I, I think I have a new appreciation for the size of American footballers because he was standing beside Tiger and he and Tom Brady dwarfed him. And Tiger's not small. Phil's not small either. But um, yeah. To and what what we got a good glimpse of, and you mentioned it earlier, Luke, as well, was they were obviously all in individual buggies that seemed to go a lot quicker than any buggy I have ever been in in my life. They kind of looked like a scene from kind of Mario Kart bouncing down the fairways and. Peyton Manning is a very good man for a monologue. Um, so he would, they were all just talking away to the camera and, and really filling the gaps very well and interacting with commentators as well. So you had Justin Thomas, you had Charles Barkley, and they had call-ins from the likes of Brooks Koepka um, to place bets with the guys on the course. So like that... Was, uh, it was just so casual, wasn't it? Yeah. They were, just, they were in their buggies, on their phones, just pure, like, it was literally like they're out for a game of golf, the boys just out relaxed. Yeah, raising just twenty million on the side for charity. Yeah. In the in the way last week didn't feel like, you know, a bunch of mates going out and playing around a golf. This this event really did, which is great. Yeah, it, it makes it way more. I, I think compared to last week was was on a different level. I think they really did it did it really well for the viewers. Now, obviously, with Tiger playing would attract millions, but then also. Making a charity, but and obviously there's 
no real sport bar. German Bundesliga and um, and they're doing the Formula One on, on the PlayStation at the moment on Sky. Yeah, the E Formula One, yeah. Really the only sport. So to have actual live golf back again with Tiger is is just is just quality like. I think from 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 the TaylorMade set and Johnny, we we touched on this a lot, and uh, when we look, when we were at the TaylorMade one and like fair play to them, they got that together very very quickly on probably a shorter budget than what they produced. But the one fundamental, or sorry, two differences. One, they weren't as um, showing as much reverence for the course as previous week. It was all about Seminole and how prestigious this place was, and it was fantastic shots of it and everything. There wasn't so much of that going on. And the second was they filled the interlude between shots and fairways with the guys just talking rather than listening to commentators. And that's what we had said, that I hope we hear more from them. And the commentary team were really only bystanders at times. They were letting the guys talk through things. But um, the the big, I think the, one of the coolest things in the front nine, I think, was Phil Mickelson's ability to explain his short game. I, I wrote that down as well. It was incredible. The depth that he goes into it without it sounding too nerdy and too hard to follow. And he just, you could see him with an amateur golfer and you can, he would just make every amateur golfer better. Yeah, his knowledge of the short game. His short game, in fact, is just unreal. Like, like the way he just spins around big high flock shots. Like his short game is crazy. And then, you know, a player is at a high level when they can just describe what they're doing and do it. Like to literally sit there and be like, yeah, this, 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 bang, does it. Like that's, that just shows how knowledgeable someone is of their game. And for the way he was describing it, it just was, was crazy good. I was really impressed with how clearly and easily he was able to break down like how grain works and how slow and, or why a putt will be slower in comparison to if it was down grain versus up grain. Um, even when on the, the hole where Brady made the eagle putt for two, like the deep level of detail that, that Phil went into be like, it's okay, you can see up to this point it's up grain because it's so much darker and then you get here, it looks like it's, it's like a lighter green. Um, from from my side, I was like, that's just really nerdy, and he plays to, to that base. But apparently, he's really into doing that for all the pro ams as well, like all the ams he plays with on the Wednesdays. He's he's really really engaging from that side. He was he he did it a lot. He didn't actually do anything in lockdown, which was strange on his Instagram channel. But before that, he he had been really good on 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 his Instagram channel explaining. But look. I, I thought that was probably the standout of the front nine. I think that, for me, was a standout. Tiger and Peyton Manning went into a three-hole lead pretty early. Uh, Phil was pretty wild. Tiger was playing what looked like. The, the adva- other advantage here, the top tra- was Top Tracer was there for every shot. Um, and you could just see how, how well Tiger was playing. Like, whereas Phil was wild, uh, Tiger was straight down the middle. Don't you miss, miss one fair Tiger, imagine if, like... The USPJ Masters and US Open are all like very, very close to each other, and Tiger's going into that first one with that farm. I think about it again. He was probably just so casual last night, um, just rocking up to the shot, hitting it. Where like you think he, he's Joe Lacava there, crowds there. He's going into like the last major of the year, whatever it's going to be this year, with a chance to tie Jack's record. I think we could see a different Tiger at the end of the year. I don't think he's ever going to go to play another British Open, though. 
So I think he's already gone from four chances a year down to three. Well, isn't the Open cancelled for the year? Or is that yeah, just postponed? It is, but I don't think, I don't think he'll, ever, he'll ever go play another Open. I, I thought he might, yeah, I thought he might have gone to go back to St. Andrews. I thought he might have done that for one, like he's won there, he knows it. Um, it's not as long. But look, he doesn't like the cold weather. Yeah, he, story, doesn't, so. he doesn't like the cold weather. And he, he, no. made, he made a comment to Amanda Balionis on the program yesterday that like he's feeling like 10 out of 10, but 10 out of 10 in the body he has currently is not a 10 out of 10 in the body he had before. So like, okay, fair enough, even if it's only like an eight, a tiger at like an eight, is everyone else at like 11. So it's, I still it's still a pretty good scale. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I, I, the fact that you know, he missed what one fairway in the entire entire round, a few puts he kind of you know he left yeah. left little short. He missed a few wet irons as well. He, he came short on the front line on three yeah, I, three greens because they had they had played out there all week, and I remember them saying it was so different in terms of clubbing, and he he hadn't played it as tough. Uh, I think JT meant Justin Thomas mentioned it uh, throughout as well that this was playing hard. The yardages of where they were playing from as well. I think they had four, five hundred yard par fours. Did you see one of them back into the wind? Was it was it nine, nine the length of that hole? Was that the five five twenty five yard par four into the wind? Ridiculous <laughs> driver three iron for those guys. That was a joke. But like the, I think as well the the part that. The, the package that, that was delivered. So the front nine went, you, you got a real, mm, I, didn't feel, I didn't really feel it as much. I think they switched to alternate shot four ball for the back nine. Yeah. I got uh, a good sense of the guy's literal. personality on the front nine though. Like, yeah. The fact Actually, that, that's, that's true, yeah. The fact that like Brady was quiet because like, like, like obviously his, his confidence took a hit early on when he just lost like a sleeve of balls in the first hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He also had the shot of the day. Then, yeah, like, exactly. He, he had that great shot, but it was also teed up so well from like a, from when us watching at home, having um having Chuck just just call him out straight away, and then like the next thing he does is he just drains it from like 120, 150 yards out. Now, when I first seen, I thought it was for an eagle. I was like, he's literally just made three, and and then he went the- OB off the tee first though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like then, like. Some shot it was to be fair, like it was. It was per- like it perfectly struck because it spun back in a little bit right to left or left to right on it, and like it was shot of the day. And then he went to pick the ball out, and he um, split the arse of his trousers. He was really having a bad front nine. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, that's the type of thing about like playing with him because he he's a mid he's a mid handicap. Like he's not yeah. at least on that day he was not a mid handicap. But that's the type of thing you get when you play like a mid to high handicap where they'll play dog shit for like 17 holes and then pull this unbelievable shot out of nowhere and you're there and like you might have plotted along played your, your hunting app maybe one or two better and you'd be playing great playing good and they come out with this outrageous shot and they're like i'm a hero look at, me, look, <laughs> look at what i just did and you're like yeah but like you hit like six shots in the water before that that's for like nine <laughs> and they only got three shots aside each of the amateurs so they effectively they were only playing off six of a handicap of six where they should have been getting a shot of hole like they really should have been getting a shot of hole Brady had a lot more shots than three 
Yeah, like the, I thought that was the I thought that was the most crazy thing. Like I know they were giving up distance to the two pros off the tee, so they were playing off a slightly forward tee. Uh, but yeah, it was only three. Um, uh, so effectively, the two guys versus Tiger were playing, and Phil were playing off six, of a handicap of six, which is crazy. Now turned out that it was actually a good balance by the time they got around to it. But uh, but isn't Peyton Manning off like six or something like that, wasn't he? Yeah, he seemed like a legit six. Like he's a he's a member in some pretty, pretty, pretty good places, and he's, a, he's he could actually like properly like hit the ball and have an idea of where it was gonna go. Where Brady was just <laughs> like had no idea. Like he hit one shot. Was it the tee shot nine? Was just like oh my god. Yeah, it was off the planet, that, right? It was that was off. Like I think he probably he nearly missed the golf course. I'd say. But I loved on three when like Brady went left. Manny went left and Phil all went left. <laughs> I was like, the only person who hasn't gone OB here is Tiger. What is this game? I, and that was the very first shot, like shot that I came in to watch was on the third. I was like, oh my God. I thought this is going to be, I, I, I genuinely was gone. I'm, I, at that point, I think it was Johnny. I think the weather was starting to really come down pretty bad. Bear in mind it had a delay. It was pissing. Like it was Florida pissing. This stuff, it looked like a fog. It was that thick. And I was, we, we were outside and we, I like you, we'd come in to watch it. I thought, I'm not going to get not through nine holes of this. I can't. And then all of a sudden, Peyton Manning comes in and just starts being very, very funny. Phil was very funny. And then the dynamic of four guys who are clearly very friendly kicked in. What's your take on, on Phil and like hitting bombs the way he goes on about it? But sure, it's useless because he was OB on like four of the holes. Put that into a stroke play competition, he won't make the cut. It, pay, it paid off later on. Like it was funny when it, when it, so when he early on in the back nine, so they switched to the alternate shot. So they were three down after nine. It looked like this was going to be a chicken shoot. A whitewash, yeah. Yeah, a complete one. This is going to be done by 13. And I think it was, was a tenor, it was 11. Uh, Phil took it on, driver 310. And. That's where you were talking about, Johnny, the, and uh, Luke, you were talking about the putt. So he hit it on from 310 to about 25 foot. And yeah, what happened then? You, yeah, I'll let you guys go through it then because I thought that was amazing. What, what happened? The sequence of events. <laughs> I thought the build-up to that was brilliant because that, I think that for me highlighted the contrast between the two teams and the two styles where Phil really, like you could see walking from the next, like the last green, they drove up together himself and Brady and Phil wouldn't shut up. He just kept talking to him. He's like, look, hit this because no matter where you go, I'm going to hit driver. So yeah. I need you to get in the fairway. Whatever you do, get in the fairway. And and like, you know, in fairness to Brady, like we've all played team golf. He, he played the team game and got in the fairway yeah. and allowed his partner to go for it. Whereas you saw Manning took out his driver and just like, just gone. It was gone right. And Tiger had a driver in his hand, saw that, walked back to his car, took out a driving iron and then had to go and, and lay up. I thought that like was a massive contrast between the two teams. And you think like me, even in like match play like that, Tiger still would have had a pop because he was driving the ball so good. But I think that's the competitiveness in, in him as well. He's probably like, okay, look, if I hit driving iron, odds are like what, 50-50 that Manny is going to get on the green. At worst case, I'll, he'll, I'll be, I'll be short-sided in a bunker. I can get it close and he'll have a tap-in par Whereas like that puts a bit of pressure on them to have to get Eagle or Birdie to win. If not, we'll walk away with a half. 
now he like he's also banking on the fact that Brady shouldn't have been able to sink that putt. Yeah. And now this is where you were talking about Phil coming on and like he just talked him into getting it. Like from like struggling grain, uh speed, um for a slope, everything was explained to all he had to do was get up and, and swing the thing at it. But for me that's where it changed from being like <clears throat> this is quite a jovial kind of bit of crack amongst the lads to being when Tiger took out three iron, I was like, he really wants to win here. Because he lost the last one, so he probably just didn't want to lose twice in a row to Phil. Yeah, how bad would that be? And I'm sure there was money in the background. There was definitely cash in the background there. And I'd say a lot of it. A lot of it. Because they started to needle each other about pretty, like, US Open, Phil, or Tiger went after him saying, oh, why don't you put down your coin for winning the US Open? He's never won one, so. They definitely didn't go, here and do 555 there. No, no, 5K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 5K, 5 grand, I guess. But, um, Johnny, you, um, that, that for me, that's where it really kind of kicked into, into gear has been an actual contest too. Yeah, and I think it showed for me that like Tiger's, Tiger's uh, Ryder Cup record when it comes to foursomes isn't fantastic at it. His Ryder Cup record as a whole isn't actually great. But you could see kind of, or I saw or picked up on kind of a few moments where Tiger was getting a bit annoyed at Peyton not finding the fairway. Cause then the next hole Peyton went into the, the reeds into the long stuff again and he didn't even look for it, but Tiger made the point of going, getting the ball and getting it, giving it back to him. Um, but I you were like, up on that. so like, plus like if you're playing with Tiger Woods and you have to share a ball with him and you start hitting all over the planet, he is definitely going to get pissed at you. It's Tiger Woods. Like, you are right though. With he was, he seemed like he was getting a little bit, a little bit peeved with Peyton. And I, in in his defence, then Peyton Manning came up like drums three times, like two par threes, absolutely stitched it. Like he was, he was close to the hole. Was he tw- close to the hole twice on par threes of everybody? And on one on the longest par five on the course, he actually gave Tiger a shot in. He actually outdrove everybody. Um, like scorched one down and left Tiger with two AD in and I think Tiger flew it over the back into the wind with a three wood. Like was the most incredible shot and they won that hole. Or they have that hole actually man, sorry. But <clears throat> I think, yeah, you, you, you saw a different like a marked difference in the personalities of of Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson, like the everyman kind of guy, whether it's real or not, I don't know. It, it, he he has been accused of it being a front and it been not legitimate, but always the most generous guy on tour, always goes around with a couple of thousand dollars in cash, tipping everyone who touches his bag along the way, whereas Tiger is this monster of his own making or, or of his father's making who tips nobody, he's stingy, he's tight, he's not a nice guy, um, but he's the most fierce competitor of all. And you kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of it. A little bit of a glimpse. Could you imagine Matt Kuchar playing this game? He'd be like, this isn't our money that we're donating to charity, is it? It's someone else's money. It's not a, I just want to confirm it's not my twenty million. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Johnny, that was a good one. But also, you're probably going back there, and I probably said I said it a few minutes ago. Like, he tires, does not want to lose the fill again. Mm. Like, imagine, yeah. imagine going off, being like, "That's twice. That's twice I've beaten you." And like, like yeah. now it's one one. Are they going to do a third one? Of course they are. Yeah. Like if if this is showing us anything, it's that 
a like they're one for one each now and there's an audience there and they know the format that works like this was an absolute home run for them from like a tv product so yeah 100 percent. i mean this what about if tiger and michael jordan together imagine that pair someone was saying this also i saw this on twitter it was like someone put out phil and steph curry versus tiger and jordan because Steph obviously be plays crazy. some web.com stuff and he's like, he's, he's a 0.2 player, like so he's 0.2. So he's a good player and Jordan's 1.2. So that'd be a great game. Plus also like, imagine the money, money that we trade my hands there. I thought, um, I thought JT, he was very, very good. He really shone through as a, yeah. as a star. When JT, obviously he's a member there, there, so he knows it, but I thought that he was really good, both from the analytical side, but also from the crack. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Did it? Also, it helps probably that he plays with them probably quite regularly and he's playing in the game right now. So he's up to date with, like, obviously the young course things and inside the locker room. And, and he's good friends with, he's like one of Tiger's good friends. Mm. Yeah. So, teed up. So I think teed that, up. yeah, teed up. <laughs> I couldn't get like, used to that. Why, why teed up? I don't get teed up. Like, obviously, T, Tiger, but dub, I don't get that one. W. W for Woods. It's a, good thing. it's a good thing you've got to go off, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you keep practicing, Luke, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. Sound for, sound for clearing that one up for you guys. Oh, uh, you're, you're part of the family here. It's okay. Yeah. This, but this is... This, actually, that's... Well, what just happened there was actually very similar to what happened in relation to the bit of crack that the guys were having on the course. In that they weren't... He wasn't afraid. To, he wasn't holding anyone in any reverence where he'd have to be careful about what he said. Like the man Not called Charles Barkley, anyway. The man called Charles Barkley a fat ass. Like he said, I'd like to see you something I'd like about. To see your fat ass I'd like to see your fat. Like Yeah, and <laughs> Charles Barkley said he's going to report him to HR. But like, when have we ever heard? I can't remember a sports person call anyone a fat ass or. In any, in any, like I, re, I realized, and I know that it was part of the humor and part of the thing. But like, God, I'm sure there probably was even Johnny. And like, imagine in our line of work, no matter what the scenario, and it's been beamed to a couple of million people. If someone called someone a fat ass, they'd be scratching for a job. Mm. Whereas he wasn't afraid to do it, and I think that was that was key because he, he's no reverence to them for whatsoever. Sure. Yeah, what's he got to like, do? Yeah. <laughs> Compared to last week's commentary, like, it was just... Yeah. It was up another step. Like, it was funny. It was good. Like, last week was just like, oh, my God. And then the guests that they brought on last week were just a joke, I find. Well, yeah. yeah. One in particular. I think <laughs> I think these guys had, had <laughs> the benefit of doing the event last year as well. So they did have a full few months of being like, okay, so the last one really didn't go down. What, what would we do different? Um. No, to be fair, like the TaylorMade guys probably should have looked at that a bit more as well. But they also did that, did theirs very, very quickly. I think they had like a ten. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the difference, Johnny, between a network doing it and uh, an in-house team, potentially an in-house team, or maybe they just outsourced it to a team. But like that was basically PGA Tour level um, coverage that was there. Actually, it was better than tour level because the amount of how many cameras were there, Johnny? Do you reckon? I probably ten. I would have said about, yeah, 10 or 12. Because there was and two, 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 two each in the boogie. Yeah. yeah. Two in the boogie. That's eight. Top tracer for the T-Vox. One guy 
per player on the course. So that's another four, and they ran around with all of them. And then they had one camera on each of the amateur tee boxes. So that's what two in the buggy by four buggies is eight, plus another four in the course is 12. And they had two four wheel drives with cranes, small yeah. cranes as well. So, like, like, you know, Johnny, like the, that, that's your line of work. And like the production costs there, camera costs, yeah. must, have, must have been in the millions. Like, yeah. And like, I, I was really impressed. Like, I, I was looking at it and like, I froze at one point and I was like, well, there's no like battery packs on those cameras. Like, how are they feeding them back to the to the sap truck? I was like, this is amazing. I was getting is... more nerded out over that. Than <laughs> yeah, well, that's just you. So yeah, I thought I thought the event overall was was really good, and it had had a pretty climactic finish by the, the way it got pretty close again. It would yeah. it would have been just a bit of a snooze if yeah, I go away with it. I was delighted it did because it came back to it came back to one down on the. Uh, Brady and Mickelson got it back to one down going up the last um, last was a really tough hole as well and because they were on alternate shots the, the amateurs had then started to actually play really well the, the opposite of what I thought they would have had a bit of freedom with their own ball um, as opposed to being a little bit nervous playing for the pro uh, or the alternate shot with the pro but that didn't happen at all they, like, they were stuffing it in on par threes and hitting decent drives as well do you think maybe that was because when they're hitting their own wall, they probably thought like, oh, Tiger and Phil are just going to be grand. Like, so we'll just leave them to it. Where with the alternate shots, they were like, right, we really have to come into pieces here. But then you're thinking like, as two sports people, they want to be in the middle of the action as well. Like, so it's, it was a weird one. It was good the way they, they came into form in the back nine and going up the 18th, making it interesting. Like, imagine if I had to finish on like 13 or 14. Well, yeah, and I don't think as well. I think the personalities come through from like bearing in mind the two other guys, uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, are two of the most ridiculously successful competitors as well. And neither of them wa- wanted to be just left as a, a side note in this thing. And I don't think I really don't think they were um, at all. And then it ju- it finished up with uh, I, th- I think it finished with Tiger and Peyton pairing the last. For the half, um, and yeah, and I remember we, I, I was sitting downstairs with my brother, and we we, we stayed right through to one o'clock to watch it. And I, I, I was after nine holes, I was like, "There's no way I'm staying up to watch this," and it managed to be compelling. So a massive success, twenty million dollars as well raised. Um, yeah, it was it was really impressive. I'm trying to look for a quote here, just with uh, which kind of comes back to the foursomes format, which is nice, which is, um, I think it was Gary Player who said he would always rather play or have, have the amateur he's playing with hit a good drive and he play their drive as a second shot than the other way around. Because if he has, if he has to play the amateur's second shot, so the amateur second shot off of his tee could go anywhere. But he knows that if the amateur gets into the fairway or the, or the rough or the semi-rough, nine times out of ten, he can get it on the green or within bump and run distance. Yeah, I think like at one stage, Tiger took um, Tiger took two tee shots of Manning's, even though they were behind his ball, uh, because he was basically going to have to hit. He hit a four iron, or Manning was going to have to hit a four iron, and he was like, basically, I'm better than you with a four iron from 20 yards further back so I'm taking your shot um, even though even though he was further up the 
up the up the up the fairway. So you can see that's exactly what you said, like Johnny. Like these guys going in with long irons are like like the likes of Luke now. Do you want me hitting a four iron from a skinny lie and pissing rain and probably be cold, or do you want Luke hitting it? Like I'm Luke hitting it. Yeah, absolutely. I would trust myself over a putt than I would over you know. 190, 200 yards. Yeah. There's a lot that can go wrong for an amateur from 190 yards out. What I did really enjoy, though, was when they played that tactic and then Tiger put Peyton in the greenside bunker and then Peyton just blades it across the green, basically to another greenside bunker just short of it. I say Tiger, I say it's been a long time since Tiger Woods has had to experience that. But it was good. Like overall, I thought it was a really good, a really good view and experience. Um, and I think the, like the PGA Tour or like the guys who run the events, like IMG and the likes of them and, and broadcasters, should really now take a look at that as a model, or even just like you could trial it. You know, like if it, like if the Euro Pro, also you guys do like a highlights program which goes out on Sky Sports every Saturday or or Sunday or Monday. If like one day was done with carts and that was part of your highlights package which went out on tv like that would it definitely entice more people to watch the euro pro because it's faster it's more engaging you could you get a taste for people's personalities plus you know hopefully you'll be in a socially distant safe world where you have two people in the buggy and you have a bit more crack yeah i think i think it'd be good as well for for tours like like europe and stuff is on the final day when the cameras are there and stuff is to have mics on players maybe not the players in the lead because they'd be too busy focusing on trying to win. But say the guys who have just made the cut, who are just looking to climb the leaderboard, give them a mic, especially if they have a caddy, just to listen to what, what say, for example, we're, we're talking about comparing, obviously, to the boys on main tours, to what they talk about with their caddy, with the players you're in the round of golf and stuff like that. Like, obviously, some things will probably have to be bleeped out and stuff. Um, but I think it'd be, I think that'd be really good, a really good mix. And then you're, you're, you're getting guys ready because this is what these tours are, the developmental tours. So you're getting guys ready for when these situations come up. Like, will they have this on main tour in a few years? You don't know, possibly. Um, after the last two weeks of having the guys mic'd up, they could possibly bring this on the main tour in the next couple of years. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting what, what they do with that because. It gives a great insight to what the players are thinking, what the players are talking about their caddy. Like, do you remember a video went out on the European tour? I think it was probably in South Africa. Some one guy and his caddy were literally having a row over what shot to hit. Uh, like that, that was that. I wonder how many hits that got on YouTube because it was interaction with the caddy and the player that, that you, you you never get when you're watching TV because there's always the commentator talking about what shot the player is going to play without the commentator probably even knowing. Yeah, and if you look at other sports like um, in the Pro 14, yeah, NFL's NFL's the, like a really obvious one. But even if you look closer to home, like T.G. Cahir on for the Pro 14 uh, rugby, all a lot of the coaches now have started to mic up and they'll do check-ins at threads match and not before the match. So like I spent a year with Connacht Rugby last year making a documentary with them, and we we, we mic'd them up and we got a great documentary out of it. But for the broadcast for the matches. Um, Andy Friend would always be mic'd up and he would talk to the, the comms guys and the presenters of the show and talk about what the team's build-up has been. Like, There's so many options and, and examples of what golf as an overall sport 
and broadcasting entity could do that like it, it, it shouldn't be too big a leap for them and last night kind of just shows that as well a bit more yeah yeah i hope they just don't take last night as oh that that went really well and not and not take any like that's that's the thing about this like oh god thank god we didn't make any mistakes with this and it went really well and was taken down i was like no no you need to learn that one having players mic'd up is good when you can control to a certain extent like it, it always cuts back to it's not the actual live it's kind of maybe they're in the replay they can use the audio footage like johnny you know the ways that you would have done it with with connacht you can you yeah, can they, make they, this safe there's a 15 second delay on the live feed as well so like you would have seen that there was a lot of a lot of audio was dumped on the program last night and that was because like the guys were definitely swearing so like there's just an audio dump that you do i thought guys like massive massive success really really enjoyed it it was wasn't expecting to wasn't expecting to watch two hours of ended up watching five and a half what's your what's the rest of your season looking like now for for 2020-2021 um have you had any word from the guys in euro pro have you looked at kind of Alps euro or? pro haven't heard anything from them at all um obviously they cancelled the season before qualifying school in which was supposed to be april so they cancelled the whole season in march um I'm going to guess that if things get back to normal in, in England and the UK, they're going to probably bring back events. That's just my guess now. And um, you had a medical exemption into the second round of Q School from last season, didn't you? No, that was from, I got it for 2019. So, so I've used that one up. Um, yeah, that was for when I broke my foot. So I've used that one up. So I would have to go back to, well, Finish inside top five on, or be inside top five on your broader merit. When closing day comes up, I'd get an exemption again to second stage. So, bar if I didn't do that, then I'll see first stage, which I definitely would have done. So, it's a bit disappointing that we don't have that because that's your main goal when you're starting off the starting off the year. But you just gotta redo your goals, make them realistic. At the end of the day, you gotta look out for your health and the health of other people. So it's frustrating. It's very, very kind of like you're unsure about what you're doing, but again, everyone's in the same boat and you just gotta gotta take the take the circumstances and situations as they come. Cause obviously there'll be um like national travel allowed, I think, before international travel. So you'd be able to drive around Ireland before you'd be able to fly to the UK and and like you're saying with the quarantine stuff it's a lot more viable to do that. I think Dave and I have spoken to a few people, including Matt Sandercock and a couple others about that Paddy Pro Tour. We're chatting to Robin about it. Um, it, it have you spoken to any of the other pros? Because you, you came in the top five or ten on the one in Carton House. Yeah. Uh, where did I finish? Tied third, I think it was. In Carton, yeah. In, in House. So that was, re- that was my... They've only played two. Um, that was the first one I played. I didn't play Corbulus. Um, Tied third, yeah. yeah, four under. Yeah, Carton House was the first one I played. Well, the second event. So that was really good. Like very well run. Simple. You had your tea time the night before. All scores was kept on an app. So everyone just put in a score after every hole, and um. It was updating, so you'd live scoring the whole way. So that was really good. So yeah, hopefully now we get something going with that again because there's there's definitely a gap in the market now. 
and especially in Ireland if travel isn't allowed and we're allowed to go play other golf courses that there's a massive gap in the market there to get pros PJ pros out playing playing for money and at the end of the day you're playing you're working again you're playing tournaments which we all love competing and that's why we do it because you want to get that hunger that fight that competitiveness out and hopefully look fingers crossed when which phase do you allow are you allowed to travel to other courses at phase three uh the end of june i think isn't it it's 29th of june yeah 29th of june i think you can get outside 20k and then after that i think it's august before you can really like really travel probably long distance but that that should be perfect time though like 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 there's still a lot of golf there there's there's two and a half months of really good golf to be had Exactly. No, like the Paddy Pro Tour is, is, is such a good idea, like really good idea because um, we don't have any like that. We, everyone in Ireland goes travel to play events um, where we're now something set up in Ireland, even if we're all off traveling playing events. In the winter, we could go play it um, kind of March time, April time before we all go traveling off again. Like, so it's, it's, such, it's such a good idea. And very, it was very simple to set up. It was WhatsApp, who wants to play, fish, bash, bosh. Right, let's try contact golf courses. Which courses are willing to let us play in terms of we will then obviously post online, thanking them and all this stuff. So, um, And we just keep it a pros because you bring in amateurs, you're fiddling with green fees and stuff. So it, it was so easy to set up. If you want to play, you said yes. And that was it. And that and that's all we had it. So I think look, fingers crossed that we get we're we're allowed to travel and we can play and we can play a few bets because he could win like I think Connor won and he won he won definitely a good few hundred, like high hundreds. So there's definitely a good chance of, of earning some nice money. I th- I think there's a whole business opportunity there. You know, I think especially in this climate, if you enter the likes of Virgin Media, your air sport, and say we're going to run a one-day event, you can have like an hour-long highlights package or you can have like whatever four-hour-long program on your sports program. You get a sponsor on board. They bite your hand off for that. They get that for content for free. A sponsor would get that easy. The course could even put the money up for it because they're getting so much uh, exposure that they're not currently getting that like there's a whole, there's a whole model there that's super interesting. Yeah, and you can, and, and it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. This big, massive thing where it's like it could be drawing crowds in, which then is like, oh, you got to manage social distancing and all this stuff. And like, as as you said, Johnny, there is a massive, massive gap in the market there for some sponsor or some media team to do coverage on it to have like people bite your hand off at the moment to watch any any sport. Like anything at all on TV would be just you. You get everyone watching it. Mm. Yeah, I think if 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 last night showed us anything is that if you do something half decent, there's an audience for it and there's an appetite for it. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. I think it's also just a good way of like saying keeping your your competitive edge in check. Yeah, and I see. So think about it, like I never thought beginning of this year like maybe the odds invite to a challenge or event or something like that that you'd be competing against like say Carmich Sharvin and like Gavin Moynan and Robin Dawson stuff like that so to compete against them play against them uh, Robin didn't play in Garden House but like 
for myself to beat Gavin and Carmuck, it just shows that you're doing something something right to to beat them on like obviously we all have our day where we play good, play bad, but just to be able to tee it up against them lads, they've played Walker Cups, they've won tournaments around Ireland, they've they've competed in, in, in big events around the world, like Gav had a great finish in France last year. So to be competing against them and to beat them and then hopefully to have another chance of playing against them to beat them again, like like you just you can only take massive positives from that. Like I remember growing up when I was young, um, an amateur and just looking at like you see leaderboards in our sham, you see Carmack, you see Gavin, you see the likes of Robin, um, on the leaderboards and you're looking at them and now you're competing with them and against them. So it's um it it you can only take positives from it, I I, I find. Yeah, I mean like it it goes back to what we like that conversation that we had with with Matt in the last episode. You know, play against experienced guys. Um, you get to the habit of winning, and you, you know you stack up there against that. And it's the same thing when it comes to amateurs. You play with lower handicap guys. Like I try and play with you as much as possible because you play well, and it's going to push me to play well. I get a better understanding of it. And the same thing for when you play with Gavin and the likes of them. Yeah, definitely. And 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 if you don't learn off those guys who have been where I've been, they're making their way up um, or they've made their way up. I'm starting to do that. So if you don't learn anything off them, then it's, you've just wasted your day because you can only learn off the guys who have gone through those phases, have taken those steps up the ladder. So if, if, if you don't learn off them, then, then you're just being silly. Like I played, who do I play that day with? Played that day with Joe Dillon and Paul McBride and Dermot McRoy. So good, good group again. And and look, Evan's learning something off someone. You could ask someone, "Oh, what are you working on there?" Or what do you what do you do with your short game? Or what do you do with this? So they tell you something, and you're like, "Oh, that that's, that sounds really good." So you bring it into your game, and then like Gav and Cormac were behind us. So the odd time you might look back to see see what they're at and stuff like that so you're constantly learning and, and it's only off these guys is is how you will learn in terms of playing wise you can do all the practice on the range stuff but you gotta go on the golf course you gotta hit the ball you gotta shoot the score like it doesn't matter how you do it mm-hmm. yeah it's very true great stuff luke thank you so much for your time you've been great uh get your insight into into what was going on from a pro level but look um can't but wish you anything but the best of luck for the rest of the season of what we don't know it will be but um, it sounds like you've done a, you've done a massive amount of work this winter so absolutely best of luck and thank you so much for your time now guys thank you so much for listening uh, Luke was great it was great to have him on get his perspective on the match but also on, on his own game where he's at on the kind of the, the lower leagues of the professional golf and the Euro Pro and his ambitions of getting onto the Challenge Tour and European Tour um, listen, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you have any anything you'd like us to talk about or anyone you'd like us to try and talk to, get in touch with us on Instagram, Twitter. That's where we're most most active. And sure look, we'll we'll see you in the next one. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset.
continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.